This is Sandy Laycox of Leaders Edge Magazine, the award-winning publication of the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm here with Roxanne Kaufman Elliott, president of leadership development firm ProLaureate. Roxanne is working with the Council's HR Working Group on the Leadership Challenge, a year-long workshop that will help them become more strategic business partners in their firms. Let's hear how Roxanne breaks down the Leadership Challenge framework and discusses its impact in the workplace. So Roxanne, let's start with a little bit on your background and how you came to be involved in the Leadership Challenge. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, I started with the Leadership Challenge, oh, I think it was 12 or 13 years ago, just after I, I had started my business prior to that, but I was only a few years into it. And I was doing executive coaching through a couple of different organizations. One was the YWCA. They have women's programs for leadership development for the executive level and emerging leaders. And we wanted to use a really, really good 360 for them. So we looked around, and I had used many different ones prior to that time. And we happened upon the Leadership Challenge and the Leadership Practices Inventory. Brilliant. It's just amazing. So I've been working with it for all of these years. And the beautiful thing, there are many about this particular 360 and also the whole process of this leadership development is that it is it's not something you need to be certified in to use. Jim and Barry, the founders of this, have made this available worldwide. So in the beginning, I was pretty much self-taught, but then I went through so many years of using it, I got my certifications and so forth. So that was my introduction to the Leadership Challenge, and the reason that I like it so much is that it is profoundly simple. Not easy, but profoundly simple. You see the five practices, you see the, the two commitments for each practice, the six behavioral statements all based on over three decades of really, really, really extensive research. So it's, it's wonderful because it measures leadership. If you've ever read the book, uh, Good to Great, at level five. So it really goes up to that, but with any individual at any level within an organization. So that's how I came to be using the Leadership Challenge, and I've used it ever since, and I use it with all of my clients. Let's talk about uh, the Leadership Challenge itself, how it was formed, the research behind it, the robustness. In 1982, two fellows by the name of Jim Cousins and Barry Posner were in college together. And they were seeking an answer to the question, what is leadership? So they started doing interviews around the world. It started very small, of course, out in California, but then they eventually went around the world. And they started asking people from all walks of life, all professions, all demographics, uh, position, title, money, education, religion, culture, color, sex, none of that had anything to do with who they were asking. It was just a broad spectrum of human beings from around the globe. And they asked them what, one question. Talk to us, tell us what was going on when you were at your personal best. What was your personal best? They asked this question of actually millions of people and they started seeing the answers come together with some, some common threads running through what they were finding. And that evolved into the five practices of exemplary leadership. So they started doing more surveys, more research, diving very, very deeply into this. And in, in addition to asking what was your personal best, they started asking, what do you think is leadership? What is it? And again, everything started to uh, intersect with these five practices. So they kept going after it, trying to, trying to break the code, so to speak, trying to say, you know what, no, this isn't real. No, it isn't real. But it kept coming back, yes, yes, it is. So the five practices were formed as really the structure around the whole leadership challenge. 
So the leadership challenge is a movement. It's a global movement. Right now, I think the, the last count was 1.3 million people have engaged in this particular uh, form of leadership development and the 360-degree instrument. And it goes across all kinds of industries, from nonprofits to profits to corporations, Fortune 50 companies, uh, education, healthcare, insurance. It's, it, it just goes, it, the industry it is not that important. It can go anywhere. It's, it's one, and even with kids in school. So they, um, they boiled this down, and then they started validating it and testing it again. The five practices are model the way, walk your talk, inspire a shared vision, Know your own, your own values, vision, and that of others. Enable others to act, give them the tools, give them the freedom to do that. Challenge the process, which is probably the hardest one for all of us. You really have to step up and challenge it. And then finally, and my favorite, quite frankly, is encourage the heart. That's where you really dig in and you see people genuinely and, and, and you encourage them from, from a very genuine and a very authentic place. So again, they have gone about this in a way that the research is validated that those leaders who engage in these five practices at a higher frequency than other leaders are more effective. Their cultures develop into cultures of leadership. But this, this whole premise is about no one is born a leader. Leadership is learned. Leadership is a practice that the more you understand it, the more you do it, the more effective you become as a leader. And it starts with self. So the common, the common equation here is that leadership is not title, it's not position, it's any of that. Leadership is self-development. So that's pretty much the premise of it. So when we go in and work with, with our companies, we, use, we can go in and start with an introductory session, or we go in and start with the LPI and then do a workshop around the leadership challenge. So how is this different than other leadership frameworks out there? Well. This is leadership from the inside out, not the outside in. There are a lot of really, really good leadership programs out there. I mean, everybody has a little bit of a different take on it, but this one is truly unique in that it starts with uh, the internal motivators, the internal drivers, and the internal awareness of who we are, how do we, we all practice all five of these leadership mantras all of the time. We're just not aware of it. And we aren't doing it intentionally or purposefully. So this particular leadership model and the five practices, it's not measuring how good you are at writing a letter, how good you are at communicating. It's not um, qualitative like that. This is measuring the frequency of your behavior. How often do you engage in modeling the way, walking your talk? doing what you say you will do? Or are you saying one thing and doing another? That's where we look for differences. It's not good, it's not bad, but what we want to do is build the awareness in each individual of how frequently they are engaging in any one of the five practices and all of them collectively. Because the more you do, the more you start recognizing the abilities and the, and the potential in other people, and the more that you can start impacting your organization and building that culture of leadership. It's very different. I've worked in leadership for a lot of years, and this is the only group program or model that I use now because it is so effective, and it goes so deep into so many things. Each one of those five practices is simply a tip of an iceberg that goes down into a great deal of learning and information, and it's lifelong. When you introduce this to people for the first time, what kind of response do you get? Because I'm sure it's not what they're expecting. It's not. 
Uh, I would say that, for the most part, the response is, if our listeners could see me right now, I'm leaning back in my chair, and I'm kind of putting my head to one side, and it's this spark that comes into their eyes of curiosity. Really? And then they'll lean forward. I mean, you just see it. Really? It captures their attention, because this is not sitting down and going through this thing and measuring somebody on one to five, and yeah, they communicate well, or no, they don't. This is very, very different. This is really going deeply into the behavior of an individual, which of course is connected to their attitude and connected to their thoughts, and bottom line, values. What do you value as an individual? What does your organization value? And where do, where do they come together? Because that's where the real power of leadership is developed. Can you give us a story about an example where you have seen this transform someone or even at a greater level, a whole group of people? Yes, I can. I won't name names, but uh, I've been working for the past four years with a healthcare organization uh, in my part of the world. And this organization was pretty much, in terms of its internal collaboration, communication, teamwork, um, working seamlessly through the hierarchy, to, to put it very bluntly, was broken. There had been a lot of change in the organization. There were a lot of people that were the old guard, so to speak, that had been there for years and years and years and years, and then a whole new group of people coming in. You had an executive team, many of whom were getting to retire and move away, there was not a lot of succession planning that had been done with leadership coming up through the ranks, but this, this middle sector of uh, particularly the RNs, the, the chief nursing officer in that group, were a, a, a magnificent group of people with high potential, and they had nowhere to go with it. They didn't know what to do with it. So we came in, and we did a few general introductory sessions, and then we, we went deeply into the leadership challenge. We did 360s, the LPI, the, the leadership practices inventory with everyone. We came back, we debriefed those. Now, usually, Sandy, when, when I do these, it's usually a two-day workshop. This lasted over a year. We built this program into a year-long program. It was amazing. We met every month for about three hours, this whole group and I, and we went through each one of the leadership challenges in depth and connected it directly to the values, the vision, and the principles of the organization and their strategic plan going forward and how to connect all of that. So these, these folks in, in the middle of the organization were the heart of it, the lifeblood. They've completely turned the organization around. Still some work to do. Like I said, this is lifelong learning, and there's no silver bullet here at all. But they have really managed to, to grasp these, and they're dealing um, with very, very difficult patient scenarios and relationships, and this has helped them to really connect in a different way, not only with colleagues, but the people they're serving. It's a case study. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a lot of work, but it's a beautiful thing to see. So let's talk about uh, insurance specifically, mm. you're working with, with our groups here. Can you talk about how that may present its own unique challenges that may be something different that you've not seen? Well, first of all, let me say I love this group. <laughs> they are so engaged. Um, I do work with, when, when you think about insurance, think about um, the law, think about uh, accounting, CPAs, finance, a lot of different highly professional groups that there are a lot of rules, regulations, processes, and procedures that need to be followed. So there's a lot of left brain going on there, which is great because it's structured and you know exactly what T's to cross and, and I's to dot and so forth. 
But I will tell you there is nothing more satisfying to someone like me who facilitates and coaches in this leadership area to see a group of people light up around what this is about because this gets to the real driver of all of the excellence in a in a high in a high stakes profession like insurance or or like some of these other professions I just mentioned. So the challenges are and I always start with everybody asking them to please open their mind to please embrace change, to please let's set everything aside for a moment, and let's just think a little bit differently about the way we interact with other people and with our organizations. And think about, and it kind of freaks them out a little bit because I go right to the heart, right out of the gate, because this is where it starts. And even Jim and Barry talk about this all the time. You know, the, the, the core of this leadership is connecting with other human beings and finding our best and those areas we need to work on, sure, and work on those, but it's really connecting with people on a different level than we're used to doing, and especially in high-stake industries like these. So the challenge is getting everybody to kind of feel okay to step away from some of that really structured left-brain thinking and go to the right brain and say, huh, let me really, let's really talk about this. What is modeling the way? When it really comes down to it, how do I do that? How am I seen doing that? And, and what I what do I think what I think I'm doing? Do other people see that in the same way, or is there something different? And how can I be better at that? It gives you pause, and, and I will tell you, especially in our world of this massive, relentless, constant communication, to pause, take a step away from that, and get back in touch with the human heart and the human brain, and why we do what we do, and that it. To be successful, no matter how much technology we bring into our lives and our businesses, one thing remains constant, human beings. As far as I know, I think we're pretty much always going to have that until, you know, we spin off into the universe somewhere, right? So, so that's, I, I love the challenge, this, because it, it really changes your thinking. I'm working with another group right now in the banking industry, and the one thing they keep saying to me is, Roxanne, you're changing the way we think, and that's a good thing. I've never thought this way before. i got to get my head around this, right? So it's different. In these industries, these high-stakes industries that you're working in, how do you work with a team like you're working with our group? Mm-hmm. How do they go back to their organization and sell that? You know, we have to think differently. We have to think about the heart and all of that. How do they go back and, and, and implement that more fully in their organization? Behavior, behavior, behavior. I would never encourage anyone to go back to their organization to try to sell this to anybody because it's too organic for that. And I don't mean that to sound like it's out in the cloud somewhere. This is really, this is really hard work. And it is very structured. And it is very um, specific in the way you go about it. But, but I think the best way to start to bring this to an organization is, first of all, when you leave the workshop, there are certain goals. You have, you have a plan. You have a strategy. You have action steps to implement. And it's all based around the work that we've done in the Leadership Challenge and, and the 360. And you monitor that. And with this particular group, we're doing this over a period of time. So in between times, I'm going to be connecting with everybody through the Internet, where we're setting up a, a, a really cool way to communicate so that I can check in and coach along the way as we go. Because we want to see marked improvement as based on the 360s. So as the leaders go back to their organizations and they start implementing their own individual changes with self, with their own leadership behavior, and then engaging their teams in that, and then they go back to their manager meetings or their executive meetings and they talk about it, 
the others in the organization start to go, whoa, we're starting to see some real change here. Look at the communication between this or between this this team, or um, these silos are starting to break down. What's going on here? And then the leader can speak to that and say, well. I'm working with the leadership challenge, and we're really very dedicated to seeing if we can move the needle with this, to see how it works. Evidence-based leadership. It's, it's gone on, like I said, Sandy, for over three decades. We see it with, with everyone that we work with. The needle gets moved when the people are really engaged and when they're really committed to the process. How do they demonstrate that needle moving for anyone? Yeah, uh, well, like I just said, it, it's um, think about an organization that has very distinct silos. And I know in my own corporate experience, the biggest silo was always between marketing and sales, right? They always thought they were very different entities. And it was very difficult because there was there was not only a silo there, there was a wall. I mean, there was a wall between the two and it wasn't real happy. There wasn't a lot of collaboration or even good relationships going on there. But when the five practices were engaged and this was focused in the marketing team to change their relationships with the sales group, it was a change. It was very subtle at first, but they kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And when you model the way, I mean, we'll just go right back to the five practices. So you think, okay, well, I'm walking my talk. I'm doing what I say I'm going to do. I follow up. I keep my commitments. And then you go to your 360 and you see maybe some salespeople on there were part of it. You don't know who they are. It's all anonymous. But you're seeing comments and you're seeing some ratings on there that say, wow, I don't always follow through. I'm not on time. Oh, I need to focus on that. One example. You can go all through all five practices and say, wait a minute, how am I inspiring a shared vision or am I just trying to, to make my vision the one that everybody else has to follow instead of understanding what yours is too and where do we come together? You start implementing those things and what we started to see was um, it started with one of the salespeople kind of going, wait a minute, this is different. What's going on here? And saying and coming back to the marketing group and saying, what are you guys doing? We haven't really talked like this with each other before. Explaining that to them and saying, look, we really need to hold hands and cross the street. We can't work at odds with each other because we're not fulfilling the values or the vision of the organization, nor are we living by our own principles in doing that. We need to be partners in this. Took a couple of years, but we got there. It was a pretty amazing thing to see, and it became a real, I mean, those, the wall was gone. I got to be a part of that. It was pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that we're thinking about for, for this industry is there are definitely silos currently in the way that a lot of brokerages work, mm-hmm. and not necessarily as much of that collaboration and team approach as there could be and maybe needs to be to move the industry forward. Is, right. is that coming up at all as you work uh, with our group? It is. Yeah, and I think those are some of the things that everyone is specifically, you know, we get right down into, okay, where's the needle right now? Just take that specific example that you just said. Where are we right now and where are the trouble spots? Pause, look out into the future. In an ideal world, what would that look like? Then, let's go back. Here, here's where we are. Here's where we need to go. Where can we apply? Where can we look at our behavior, modify our behavior, increase the frequency of our leadership behavior to start closing that gap? So when you start where you are, you look out here, you can measure that along the way and you can even put very specific goals to that. So in 90 days, let's get very, let's say, you know, there's one trouble spot. 
with one group that you need to, let's say the primary goal is to open up communication on a more regular basis. How do you measure that? Where is it now? There's nothing. Where do you want it to be in three months that we talk regularly, once a month? Where do you want it to be in six months? We talk once a week. We have like those stand-up speed dating meetings, you know? 10 minutes, bam, on a Friday morning from 8 to 8, 10. Everybody gets their stuff done. You start building the connections. That's when you start to see the needle. You start to see it. It's, it's very tangible when it comes into practice. So you are about to, after this, mm-hmm. go uh, deliver 360-degree feedback, I believe. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about how you do that? I, I understand that it's it's a pretty, you know, delicate process. It is. And, and sort of what you're anticipating <laughs> in the next hour or so. Right. And, and just walk us through that a little bit. Well, first of all... Um, Everyone has completed their, the, the way the 360 works, just briefly, is that you, the person who is taking it is the leader. And then they select a group of what we call observers. It's like every other 360. That's, what it's, that's why. You have to get a 360-degree view of this. So you take your self-assessment, and then we, like, we ask that you have at least 7 to 10 observers, if not more, so we can maintain the anonymity of the assessment, because we don't care who's saying what. Once those are all completed, we tally up the reports. But I, I don't show the leaders the reports until we actually get in the session and we're ready for that. So the first thing we do is do a little bit of a review. At this point, we've, we've already had the tee up. We've walked through. We've had an introductory session. So everybody understands the five practices. They're getting to understand this whole model of leadership and what the 360 is about. So then I use a fictitious 360, and I walk through the entire report. They don't have theirs yet. So we walk through that step by step. So they understand how to read it. They understand going into this that this is not about good or bad. Look for, um, don't look at the numbers. Look for measurements. And this always gets a chuckle. Feedback is a gift. (laughs) It really is. I have to repeat that several, several times. I don't have to, but I do. You have to accept it as a gift. So that when you look at this, We want to get your initial reactions. So I walk them through Amanda Lopez, a fictitious person, uh, 360. And that takes some time because you you really want to make sure they understand how this goes. And and the format of the 360 is beautiful because it gives you an overall rating. It shows your observers, all all of them broken down, but not that you can tell who it is. Comparisons, bar charts. um, It's just, I won't go into all that detail, but it's, it's an amazing assessment. We walk through all of that do a Q&A, and then I say, okay, this is where I'm going to go quiet because anything I have to say once I hand out those reports will not be heard. <laughs> Everybody's going to dive into them. So now they understand a little bit of what they're looking for, but they haven't seen their feedback yet. So I go around and I hand out the, the 360s, and I give everybody about 20 minutes just to digest the information at a very high level. Then we have a workbook that we download for them from the LPI online site, and we start there. And we start breaking it down. I put them into pairs and into table groups so everybody has a colleague that they can work with and bounce ideas off of. And the first question we ask once we all come together again is, what was your first impression? Were you upset? Was it totally what you expected? Are you angry? Um, are you confused? Are you, you know, you want to jump off a bridge? We'll save you. <laughs> Let's not go there. And so we walk through the entire assessment. And from that, we see where each leader is exhibiting frequency and where their frequency is lower in some of the other 
practices. So we start measuring that, we start building strategies around that. How can I be more effective? How can I increase my behavior here? We look at the differences. The differences really are very, very intriguing because if you've rated yourself uh, as having a high frequency in one of the practices and you see that your observers have rated you much lower, there's a difference in perception. You think you're doing something, but nobody's seeing you do it. So we got to figure out what that is. So we go through all of that and then we talk about Okay, what's the, what's the plan for three months, six months, a year? We encourage everyone to retake the LPI in a year to see how, because then you'll see how you move the needle if you're in the same place working with the same peer group. So we'll do that. So, so it's all very, very logical. It follows a sequence, and it's very practical once you go back in. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sure you get a wide variety of responses. We do. We do. <laughs> and every now and then we get some outliers. It's very interesting. We have those conversations, too. There's a lot of reasons for that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything, before we sign off, that, you know, any final thoughts you want to leave us with, things that we should know about this, or just an interesting anecdote? <laughs> well, um, something I think it's, it's worth considering is just looking at this particular model of leadership, because it is different. It's all about, if you just read even, even just some of the things that, that Barry and Jim have written, you'll understand what very special human beings these fellows are. They're very analytical. They are road, I don't know that they're road scholars, but pretty darn close to it. They are just amazing, very analytical, very research-based, and yet they just have the warmest, most genuine and authentic hearts, and that's where all this came from. They're trying to define this and to help everyone. Everyone is a leader. It's not something you're born with. So think about your organizations, think about your firms, your companies, and where are you right now in terms of your effectiveness, your success? Bottom line, absolutely, because this is what leaders do. We drive results. Don't, yeah, no mistaking that. But also, what is the quality of your culture? Is this a group of people who engage, who challenge, and know where they're going and what they're doing, and they're all pulling the rope in the same direction? So I would say, if you are, bravo keep doing that. If you think there's some room for improvement, I would encourage you to take a look. Like I said, there's lots of great leadership stuff out there. But this, to me, is just the epitome because it touches every part of the human being. It's the heart, the mind, the hands, right? It's everything that we need to really become the leader that we already have inside of us. And this helps us bring it out. And that's unique to each and every one of us. Anecdotally, I would say that um, just the people that I work with it's always, you know, you get some people who just want to push back, and that's good. Push back all you like. Push on this all you want. And it never fails. Sandy, at some point, those that push back the hardest are usually the biggest devotees. <laughs> Once they get to the end, it's like, bam, you know, they're there. So it's just a matter of, uh, of walking through it. Well, great. I really appreciate your time with us, and good luck in the next hour. I Thank you. Thank you very much. It was wonderful to have a conversation, too. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.